hurry, hurry, hurry down to Paramnesia Theater. Gather round as four friends share, rewatch, and possibly ruin favorite films from their childhoods. Be sure to come early and get a good parking spot because there's always a good show at the drive-in. Now that'll be $5 a ticket, please. Welcome, all of you wonderful listeners, to this week's episode of Paramnesia Theater. My name is Tim and will be your host today. I am so excited for this week's movie, but before I get into that, let me introduce my fellow hosts, Rebecca. Hello. Riley. Hey. And Anna. Hi there. Today I will be sharing another movie that is dear to my heart, a movie that was a huge part of my life from childhood right into early adulthood. It was a family favorite, and by that I mean my extended family on my mom's side. Just about every holiday that the cousins all met at my grandmother's house, we would go into the basement and watch this movie. We quoted this movie constantly. And we'll talk about it to this day, some 25 years later. It is the one and only Condor Man. Condor Man is a 1981 film about a comic book artist who takes on the persona of one of his comic book creations, Condor Man. He's used by the CIA to extract an enemy agent who is defecting and immediately falls in love with her. What year is this? Did you say it? 1981. Oh, wow. I guess that makes sense. I was thinking late 80s, but damn. Like Cold War era? Yeah. With the CIA backing him, his characters, gizmos, and vehicles are all created in the real world, and he uses them throughout the daring escape attempt. Through constant chase scenes, near escapes, and a brewing romance, Condor Man brings to life the challenges of being a gadget-based hero who finds himself at war with a mob of thugs intent on his death. Will a comic book writer turned superhero save the damsel from distress? Will America lose out on the potential information this defecting spy has? Will my dear friends manage to stay awake and pay attention through the entire movie, unlike so many others I have attempted to share this gem with throughout my adult years? Before we discover those answers and watch this amazing film, let's discuss the potential pitfalls and triumphs of this 42-year-old classic. First of all, I want to barf that 1981 is 42 years ago. That's crazy. Yeah, right. Um, But I I gotta say, I'm so excited to watch Condor Man. You showed it to me once, Mm -hmm. and it was fantastic. I've forgotten all but three scenes, and I'm so excited to watch again. Yeah, I I, uh, definitely had to do the math on that a couple times to be like, holy cow, it's 42 years old. That's, That's wild. So far, I'm like, this is like Inspector Gadget meets... Page Master? No, that's not the one I'm thinking. There's something where somebody can conjure things out of a book or some shit. I mean, that, that's Page Master, but I don't know where you're getting that. There's from. no conjuring in Page Master. He, he gets sent. He gets sent to the, the literature world. Oh, he's a cartoon. I haven't seen that one. I can't put any opinion on it. Well, he conjures his his gadgets and gizmos from the comic book. No, he has the the CIA creates them. Oh no, and the yeah, comic it's, it's, is inspiration. Yes. Oh, I'm really curious how he got his name Condor Man though. Like, what's the Condor part? You'll see. Does he fly? You'll see. I'm gonna guess he probably flies. Yeah, because a condor is a bird, right? Yes, mm-hmm. a big bird. And realistically, I don't think you gave away too much of the plot because it follows like most other spy movies. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. high level. They have gadgets. There's a heroine. And um, there's thugs. Yeah. That need dealing with. I do always like the love stories of, like, enemies to lovers. You know, they're, like, mm. enemies at first, but then they fall in love. That's always fun. It's a classic twist on a story. Yeah. Intriguing. Spy versus spy, and then they work together. A fun fact is that I had the theme song on a mix cd so <laughs> music would be actually this is what opened it so this is what would open the cds just, like and that was very fun because cool. people got very confused yeah, with what was happening that's awesome so you said it was um a big part of your childhood into early adulthood mm-hmm. but we've been hanging out for a large part of life and you have talked about condor man much later than into your adulthood or young adult life. So I, I would ask, maybe you need to change that from like childhood into now current adult life even. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's remained pretty consistent. That's awesome. Way, way better than Rockadoodle. So 
Oh, yeah. I liked Rockadoodle. I thought that was fun. Yeah, I will quote this movie even in a room full of people who have no idea what I'm talking about. I don't care. It's all right. <laughs> now we'll know. Yeah. Now we'll know what you're talking We're about. We're in the know now. We can quote it back to you. Hopefully. I at least get a kick out of it. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I'm very excited to, to share this. And then for tonight's snack, uh, due to the high fire hazard and allergy risk of the first snack choice, I have instead opted to go with fresh beer bread with strawberry preserves. All right. Mm. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. I love bread. Uh, what was the fire hazard of your drink? There's a scene in here. So I, I wanted to try to make it movie-themed, and there's a scene with and a beverage that is on fire. And so I thought oh. it would be really funny to do that as, like, the, the, the themed snack would be a drink that was on fire. It sounds very fun. Um, but we live in a log cabin, so I appreciate the fact that you decided against that one. We could have done it by the pool, and it's raining yeah. outside. <laughs> That's true. It's relatively safe. Safe outside, yeah. Yeah, there was a spot in the article that specifically said there was a certain type of uh, 151-proof alcohol that was, I think it was vodka, that they stopped making because of how many fires were started involving this drink. Oh, oh. Nice. Cool. So, for the listeners, do you want to give the actual recipe of what you were going to make? Ooh, I don't even know if I have that still. I deleted that page because it was not... Uh, I could probably find it again pretty quick. Well, you said it was 151 amaretto and... And eight ounces of beer. Oh. It didn't specify what kind of beer. It's a flaming Dr. Pepper shot, if you want to look up the recipe. Hmm. Interesting. It was like a, I think it was a half ounce, or a full ounce of the 151, half ounce of Amaretto poured, I think, on top, of, or dropped into the beer, maybe. I'm not 100% oh, sure. interesting. Uh, I'm not sure whether you, know, you lit it and dropped it, and that's how it went out. I'm not 100% positive. I didn't read past the Amaretto. Solid choice. Solid choice for nut allergy people and nut allergy awareness month. Yeah. Oh, is that what it is? Never. Never. (laughs) (laughs) Of all of the awareness months, I feel like uh, that should be a very high priority one because there are are not a lot of people that pay attention to that type of thing. No, there aren't. However, it's not everybody's burden to to carry. So, um, I mean, I do eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches everywhere all the time. Yeah, and uh, as a person with food allergies, it sounds like maybe the people around you should be more cognizant of their surroundings and, you know, be worried about themselves. If, you, if you're if you allergic to peanuts, just just leave. Don't don't stand around them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Take it upon <laughs> yourself. Don't burn other people. Let them eat sandwiches. It's an open world here. <laughs> exactly. You can go anywhere. Do you need to be around peanuts? Going back to Condor Man... <laughs> Um, do we have any famous actors or people we're going to recognize? Um, so, uh, Michael Crawford plays the lead. Oh, yeah. I don't know who that is. Um, James Hampton, I know, has been in a few different movies. This is a live action movie? Yeah. Dana Eclair? Or Eckler? Eckler? Elkar? I don't know who any of these people are. We're going to replace them later anyway, so. You said this is Disney? Yes, this is Disney. Oh, we'll know the people when we watch it. We'll be like, oh, that's that guy in every Disney live-action movie of this era. Yeah, yeah, you know? there's definitely a lot of repeats, for sure. This is from the 80s, though. I don't know many movies from the 80s from the Disneys, really. Yeah, that's when they were in that weird live-action time, and they weren't doing super good. And they needed the, the 90s renaissance. Yeah, true. Look at you knowing your Disney facts. I, I do know a bit of Disney. All right, is everyone ready for some beer bread and a fantastic movie? Hell yeah. Sounds good to me. Show starts in one minute. Sounds like they're about to start. Let's get our seats. We're happy to have you with us this evening and want you to enjoy every minute of your stay here. And while you relax and stretch, visit our concession where you'll find something to please you. There are ice cold drinks, delicious sandwiches, ice cream, coffee and snacks, and many other pleasing treats. Our foods are fresh and tasty, our drinks satisfying and refreshing. Welcome back, everyone. All right, what did we think of Condor Ma'am? It was pretty good. I I liked it a lot. I... 
think I like the first half better than the second half. The second half kind of felt long. A little drawn out. A little drawn out. That mm. boat scene at the end was like, it felt like 25 minutes long. Mm. The chase scenes were incredibly long. Like, the, even the car scene was very yes. long. Yes. it. I felt it didn't need to be quite that long. But I think a lot of movies in that era did that. Yeah. I don't know if they were pressing for screen time or... Probably. Just taking advantage of being able to have a ton of explosions. That's probably what it was. They wanted to blow up cars. Yeah, they probably were getting to the end of filming and they were like, we got some budget left. Yeah. Let's uh, put rockets and boats. They definitely didn't spend the budget on Condor Man's costume. Not even a little. No. Yeah, that was actually a note that I wrote. The entire budget went into the dope chase scenes and vehicle destruction and explosions. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. The explosions were fun. They were great. Yeah. They were exciting. When that one boat crashed, I was like, literally yelled out, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> well, that was like the least destructive crash to it, Field like. He was just kind of like scooted up on the rocks and then he was like, bam! Big yes. explosion. Yeah. The explosion itself didn't make sense, but it looked cool. Mm. I mean, maybe he stored all of his rockets at the very bottom of his boat where he crashed. Mm. Yeah, it could have just been poor modification design. Yeah. Maybe he had an extra tank of gas under there. Maybe. That's true. Aftermarket parts, you never really know what you're going to get. So (laughs) That's true. Um, The opening of the movie... I really enjoyed that. Um, the cartoon guy was funny, and I liked that he made the actual Goofy laugh. Um, and I thought it was a nice touch that uh, it was another movie that had cartoons and real life in it. Yeah, so that was... When I had mentioned before uh, that I had the like opening scene music that would play, like that, those all those vocal noises and everything were in there too. <laughs> and it was... Yeah, people would get very confused as to uh, what was happening. Yeah, that would be really confusing. The music itself was good. Yeah, the score is done really well. Um, I realized this time around that there, like, more or less, anytime there's kind of like a romantic vibe thing between uh, Natasha and Condor Man, there's this specific soundtrack that kind of starts playing, mm-hmm. like the specific, like the vibe switches, like mm. the love theme, kind of. Yeah, I thought that was really well, like, done very well. I thought the actress that played Natalia was her babe as well. Yeah, she was. She made me think of Zsa, Zsa Gabor. Yeah, when you said that, I was like, yep, that's exactly who she reminds yep. me of. Who I did write that. We'll talk about that later, but I wrote that for my other actress for her. Yeah, like when he, uh, right at the beginning, right after that is the scene with the Eiffel Tower. And uh, yeah, when he flies off the Eiffel Tower, it's pretty rough with how obvious it is that he is attached to a helicopter. Like, yeah. he doesn't move at all it's it's so, so slow. funny i thought he'd glide also not flap his wings yeah i i wonder whose idea that was because like that sucks for the actor to have to like yeah. flap yeah. like yeah like, holy cow that must have been exhausting well also the scene where natalia was riding on his back and for those wings to be moving like that and her like having her arms over his shoulders like holding on to him must have been so uncomfortable yeah because they were also over like a wooden frame too I feel like I would feel like I was going to fall off if I was her. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be very nervous. I imagine somewhere there had to have been a safety buckle or something. Did you see those things that were on the ski lift? There was no yeah. safety things on those contraptions. That was like a pogo stick on a motor. It, was it wasn't different. even a motor. It was a rocket. A rocket. He yes, called them rocket so something. Yeah. I forget what. The, yeah. They were <laughs> rocket propelled for sure. Yeah, and there was not a safety belt to be seen. I mean, you gotta add those style points, remove the seatbelt. I mean, he is flying. It is a bird suit. You gotta cut down on weight, realistically. An additional a passenger seatbelt probably isn't something that you would think of. Well, and they're making them so quickly, too. I mean, as he's doing the mission, the CIA has got their R&D department, like, just pumping this stuff out. So they don't have time for all of the safety checks. It is true. They probably had to put the majority of their time and effort into supporting Condor Man. Yeah. Also, like, Condor Man only gave pictures of these things. It's not like he's like, oh, yeah, the inner workings of this thing is how this gets put together. Like, they would have had to figure all that part out. But it was the same costume that he had at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, so the CIA really didn't do much other than patch up the first one. 
Um, also, going back to how much he flapped his wings, he could have glided and like flapped his wings once in a while because that's what big birds do. They don't flap like crazily like he was. I don't think there was a lot of thought put into that. <laughs> there should have been. It's it's the title of the movie. I feel like the second time around, he had on nice yellow goggles, but the first time I thought they were silver, I think, in the opening river scene. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. They made it more like beak-like, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Less. Yeah, I feel like they more made modifications to his original costume. Yeah, really made it more superhero-y. Yeah. It was cool. I liked the way it looked at the end. Too much brown, but it is a condor. That makes sense. In the 80s, which they liked their browns. They did love brown. It was very brown and gray at the beginning. Oh, that's interesting. It wasn't colorful till they went to, like, Istanbul. Well, and then that sweater that he had mm-hmm. in wherever they were, that was very colorful. He had a number of really good sweaters. And now as I think about it, I think the fashion in this was really pretty good. I've got written down, Sergei had good fashion. That dude didn't ever show up except for in the boat scene, the black jumpsuit. He never showed up in a frumpy suit. Like, he looked good every time. It was weird because some of the costumes made me think of, like, 1940s, maybe because of, like, the spy aspect of a lot of the things. Like, um, when we first met Natalia, she had that, like, hat and coat, and that felt very 40s to me. But, like, other parts of it did seem more in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It did kind of get that old-timey feeling sometimes. Like, her dress at the end... um, when they were at that party in Monaco, I wrote how much I loved that dress. I loved that whole outfit. But that was very, like, 40s kind of feeling. Hmm. I just remember Sergei walked into one scene with white pants, like an off-white pants, and another white sweater, and then some white colored thing underneath, and they were all three different colors, whites. And I was like, damn, that dude knows how to dress. <laughs> For a bad guy, he pays a lot of attention to GQ. Yeah, that was the scene where uh, he was pretty much telling her that she had to do everything that he said and had to play the hostess. That was a pretty intense scene. Toward the end, it was really interesting watching how angry she would get. I thought she portrayed that very well um, as far as, like, when, when you know, spoilers, when Woody and, uh, and Harry get murdered there. Mm-hmm. You know, then they, he, like, flies her by, and she's, like, that was, like, a very kind of high-stress moment. Like, mm. Yeah, she was visually upset about it. Yeah, and you could see that he was, like, very, like, it was the the right amount of, like, stoked. Machismo. Yeah, yeah, it was, a, like, a calm, like, ha, see what I did, not, like, a, you know, over-gloating. It wasn't, like, too evil. Mm. It was the perfect amount of, like, oh, that's fucked up. He was a good villain. I liked Sergei. Yeah, he was. I liked him a lot, too. I think it was a great counterbalance of energy compared to, like, the very often goofy lines and attitude that, like, Woody had mm. and, mm-hmm. Harry, like, Harry. Like, that was definitely, like, full comic relief. But then every time we went to the bad guys, like, it was bad. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they were intimidating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did a really great job with them, which makes sense. I mean, they're supposed to be, like, big Russian guys. KGB. The right-hand man, too, with the metal eye, like, that was pretty cool. It was subtly done, where it wasn't too much, where, like, oh, his whole arm is bionic or something, like. Yeah, you could tell it was, like, a contact lens, too. It wasn't any kind of, like, special effects they tried to use, which was cool. Although, I bet that was so uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Probably itched. Yeah, I wonder Mm -hmm. what they colored it with. It was, like, the Tin Man stuff, and he's got it, like, in his eye. Yeah. Hopefully not. I don't know how long colored contacts have been around. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Well, I did see an updated photo in the IMDb of him, and he does have both eyes. No, oh, good oh, for you. Oh, okay, good. good. job. Well, it looked like both eyes. Prosthetics are pretty uh, wild nowadays. You never know. Have you seen It's Always Sunny? Yes. That, that guy's prosthetic eye looks super real. Oh, yeah. The McPoy. Yeah, it's like a rock <laughs> with an eyeball painted on it. Yeah, it's been a while. It's like an one. off-colored patch at one point. <laughs> I was shocked at the beginning when his first flight pretty much worked until the variant like until it didn't it worked really well yeah yeah that was a fun imdv fact was that uh in that scene when he falls in the water apparently he almost did drown um and then the director was gonna like call off the rest of the shooting and he was actually like no no and like let's keep going oh that's cool good for him yeah yeah 
Harry references that later. He says, oh, I didn't expect you to jump off the Eiffel Tower and almost drown. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, I wonder if that was, like, added in or if that was what it always was supposed to be. Woody did have, like, a knowing look when he said that, too. Like, I wonder Mm -hmm. if that was, they were like, yeah, you know what, let's throw it in. Let's make fun of it. Yeah. I have to say, I loved the character of Woody. Like, that dude was funny. Yes. I, I I liked what they did with that person, with that character. Woody, the Condor Man, or, or Harry? Oh, sorry, Harry. Harry. That both dude of them, was really. Funny. They were both yeah. really great characters. Yeah. Harry was really funny, though. I liked that he was just a clerk in the CIA, and then they, he was given this huge job to, like, pick a civilian, and he picks his friend, who's... Incompetent. Well, incompetent, but then also kind of competent, because he kicked all those guys' asses in that restaurant. That restaurant, though, I love when characters accidentally kick ass. Mm. I think that's Mm. so funny. So, there are a few things I wrote down that, like, I just realized this watch. So, I have to make the disclaimer that growing up when we were watching this movie, my grandfather had a huge collection, I think I've mentioned this before, of VHS tapes of movies that he had recorded, and this was one of them. So every time we were watching this, it was on the same VHS tape that was recorded off at the TV. So, you know, there was like kind of that static, and then some of the sound quality wasn't as good. So that restaurant scene, I just realized today that that was not on the train. I'd always thought that was on the train in, like, the food car. And I was like, man, they really messed up the dimensions. And, like, how <laughs> and then today I was like, holy shit. That's, like, they reset the scene at the beginning, and at, like, location. And I just, like, it never clicked. And I was like, this makes so much more sense. That's so funny. I, that was a great scene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A couple of my favorite parts are in that scene itself in that restaurant. Oh, it's one line that you've referenced a couple times now um maybe not on the podcast but in real life when they're talking about the drink and he's like oh it's the istanbul express and he's like i'll have one of those make it a double and the guy's like no one ever asks for a double and he's like well then make it a triple that was like one of the best fucking lines and then he spews fire afterwards and (laughs) that was a pretty impressive graphic i don't know how they did that because like he's straight up a flamethrower for like three seconds yeah i'm unsure of how they did it too uh either really good camera work or maybe they actually taught him how to do it i don't i don't know but yeah no that whole that so that was what i was going to model today's snack off of originally even though i didn't know what an istanbul special was (laughs) but just that whole scene is that's one of my that's just such a great scene so uh, yeah, I was going to do it off of the drink. Yeah, I see why you would want to choose that. It does seem really fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, but based on, like, the movie and it being, like, the Russians and all that, I feel like it's just, like, real high-proof alcohol set on fire. And, like, <laughs> that's all it is. That's why you breathe fire. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, rubbing alcohol or something, yeah. Yeah. It's a Molotov cocktail. Something that probably doesn't actually taste very good at all, Yeah, is my guess. So we see our our first future, like, call-out or whatever, foreshadowing of the real world with the backup cam in 1981. That Mm, was pretty cool. Yeah. Mm. Far before it was ever a daily thing in cars. And they didn't even have to back up to use it. Yeah. They just had one. How about that car? Oh, that car was so cool. I wrote down all the things it does, I think. I wrote the car was a caravan. A Lamborghini, it had guns and a flamethrower, it had a built-in ramp, and then it became a boat. Yep. That's a lot of things. That's pretty slick. Yeah. I I, I loved it. And at first, when I was watching, I was like, man, why do they, they have a caravan? Why do they have all their luggage on the front of the caravan? Mm. And now I realize it's because the car is very long underneath, and to pop out, like, that was probably where the front of the car was and that was how they concealed it and that's pretty fucking smart yeah the whole scene is very uh, unique and it's just an epic again they spent a lot of budget just smashing these awesome porsches up in this car chase yeah but it was a lot of fun so worth it uh this is the first time as they were transitioning from like they were going down into the sports car i was just like Oh, so they're just, like, road blind for a solid five seconds. He's not at the wheel. They're just going high speed. I was like, that that doesn't seem like a good idea. This movie must have had some sort of budget. They had five Porsche 911s in it that they blow up. And that's pretty impressive. Well, then you got to think, too, like, 
we see the six like the ones where they were like okay that crash was perfect you know as they're driving them off the sides of mountains and everything you got to think about all the cars they crashed that they were like oh that's not good enough we got to go crash another one you know so it wasn't just yeah. like the five they probably had like 15 <laughs> that's true that's true man i mean it doesn't seem like they spared too much expense for this movie really I'd, do you have any idea how much it made Ooh, let me uh see if i can find that uh, it says the budget was fourteen million dollars, and the box office was two point five million. Okay, a little bit of a loss. Big budget, still big budget. It's still big budget. It's still big budget. Yeah. Not profitable. This article labels it box office bomb. Oops. Hmm. Well, you imagine like they had to pay for all those locations, and they definitely went to a lot of locations in Europe. They to did. film those things. Yeah, definitely those were not sets at no. all, which is crazy, because back then I feel like, well, I guess they did travel a lot for movies back then. Probably more than they do now. Probably, yeah, a lot more than they do now. Yeah, that's a pretty bad fail. Yeah, mm. that's... And it was not It was pretty good, like... How much did they spend? $14 million? What's that equivalent to in today's dollars? Oh, jeez. Uh, 1981 money? Yeah. None, none of this is giving me what I'm asking. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, here we go. Finally. Jesus. The first one was like $1 billion in 1981. Is I'm like, I didn't ask you about that. Um, 14000 Nope, that's not what I asked either. We'll just tack on some zeros. Um, $46 million. Just about 47 Nope. Billion. Million. Million. So fourteen million dollars in nineteen eighty one would have been around forty seven million dollars today. Okay. Seems like a lot for a movie. A lot, yeah. But so it made about seven million back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not great. No, not great. That's unfortunate. It deserved to do better. Yeah, it deserved to. I think at least break even. Yeah, there's some things saying like uh, the director was not this is like the second film he did that crashed and uh this sent him back to canada for five years like a prison sentence like they exiled him (laughs) get out of hollywood out of america man (laughs) no like he was just like i'm done what was his first movie and then he also said he didn't want to get involved with disney again Mm. um the flight of noah's ark which actually amazon has been telling me to watch and i was thinking about it because it looks like it's literally some sort of airplane turned boat interesting Uh, yeah it looks it it sounds like um a movie that would have been one of those commercials on your muppet family christmas movie (laughs) oh my god remember that scene where we were like the fear in her face is real with like how she's angry about woody dying yeah so apparently oliver reed felt that barbara's actor acting was wooden and not fully projecting the true fear her character would be feeling at that moment frustrated he actually opened the door of the helicopter they were in and threatened to throw her out the fear on her face is real oh my god getting the shot that was needed oliver shoves her back and then relaxes with a slight smile in anger barbara actually elbows him painfully which you can see in oliver's face but not wishing to sour the scene he takes the punch that's awesome. Dude, so this actor decided he needed to open the door himself to scare the fuck out of her? Yes. yes. That's intense. That's Harry. He is a villain. No. That's, oh, yeah. That's not yeah, not Harry. Yeah. No, Harry. not Harry. Sergey. <laughs> that's crazy. Damn. Wow. It, man, there was no rules back then. None at all. It says, this little fight is in the film during the escape attempt from the ski lodge. Hmm. Michael Crawford plays an American where Barbara Carrera and Oliver Reed play Russians. I'm under fake nationalities. Um, Let's see. Oh, as far as him being dragged into the water, he was dragged five to ten feet under the water before two lifeguards pulled him out just in time before drowning. Wow. He was willing to do the stunt again, but the director refused to allow it and put a trained stuntman in his place. Huh. Probably should have done that from the start. Yeah. No rules, man. Yeah. The 80s. So the ending is a very interesting kind of hanger where it seems like it's setting something else up. And uh, it says here, Disney was so confident that the film would be a success, they planned a sequel. But then when it flopped, they scrapped it. So there is 
a second Condor Man movie written out there somewhere. And I feel like now's the time. Now's the time of the remake and the reboot. Well, yeah, it'd be interesting the stuff they could do. Hopefully it wouldn't, it wouldn't fuck it up too bad. I mean, they it, would. They would, but they wouldn't do it anyway. Because, like, at this point, not enough people even remember the movie, I think. Your family's probably the only one that's still watching it and spreading it around. No, it's definitely becoming... Like, so, Is it? just like 10 years ago, you couldn't find this anywhere unless you were downloading it illegally off of someone else's thing. Or you might be able to find, like, a bootleg copy and buy, like, the burnt version on DVD. Like, you couldn't find it anywhere. Hmm. And then it came back, and you could find it on DVD. And then... Uh, now when I looked it up, you can rent it on Amazon, you can watch it on Disney, like, it's all over. So I don't know, I feel, maybe it's just the the amount of places you can watch things now, it's just there by default, but I feel that there are a lot of movies that Disney doesn't necessarily have on their channel that have existed in their, you know, they have mm. in their library. They've pulled other, like, there are places out there that have pulled movies off, and yet this one's still available, so I feel like it... This one is not on Disney. I looked. Not anymore? No, it's okay. not on Disney or HBO, I think, was the other one I checked. It was only on Amazon as far as I looked. Oh. But still, that's still somewhere. It's still out. Yeah, when I searched it, it popped up on quite a few different places. It said I could watch on HBO, but I don't have the subscription, so I didn't uh, click it. But They didn't have it anyway. Yeah, so. who knows? And it could have been an old article. But, yeah, I don't know. But I feel like it, it could go either way. Um, there's the scene where... Uh, Natalia is talking with the kids and they ask yep. why did you become laser lady and she's like wicked upset about it and then Harry brings her brings her out and they have that talk of whatever we don't know it's kind of just the scene ends and you're like okay they had a serious talk about this and then the next scene Natalia is like not upset there's no resolution to the fact that like they never solve that piece of tension it just stops existing which I never noticed but i was really like oh man that's such a bummer there was a lot they could have gone somewhere with that but yeah. that's like they're dancing the next scene she does make a comment about how pretty much she's down with deception it's cool she understands it or mm. something which was kind of and he didn't get it because he, he he's, he's a little aloof yeah <laughs> he was kind of oblivious to a lot of things that were happening but um yeah i thought that was really weird i picked up on that too i was like she should be angry or something like in an, any other movie like she would be angry at least for a scene mm -hmm. yeah but she's just like she kind of gives him like a weird look for one second and is like okay yeah I'm like oh that that's that all right we have to spend more time on explosions and chase scenes that's true we don't have time for this emotional bullshit and dancing yeah we have to spend 10 minutes on this dance scene also well harry stole the dance scene Mm. That dude yes. knew how to polka. Yeah. He brought yeah. America to that other country. I forgot where that one was. Uh, that Bavaria. was the Matterhorn. Yeah. yeah. So, wherever Bavaria is. Wherever the Matterhorn is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the only other real, like, comment I had as far as, like, set or anything was just that I was surprised at how poor video and audio quality were at certain parts where it just seems they could have, they should have been able to yeah, doctor or just like reset the mic on the spot, knowing it was a bad place. They chose like very large buildings, and this like sometimes there were just like echoes, which that was understandable. But there were other spots where it was just I don't know if they just couldn't fit a mic into the area for the shot or what. But it was, just, and then there were some scenes where it was just very dark for like no apparent reason. I didn't really notice that at all. No, I, I didn't really notice bad sound. I didn't really notice anything that was bad about the movie other than some parts were way longer than they needed to be. <laughs> um, one more thing I had for the set, that cane gun was so cool. I just wanted to talk about that, too. I was going to circle around kind of with what Tim was talking about. Like, he shoots that, right? And he's... It goes on for a while, and he's, like, flopping around and spinning in circles. Do you think they were just like, okay, guy, you do whatever, and we'll animate bullets coming out of the end of your cane? And however you finish, like, that's going to be it. Yeah, probably. Because he, like, he very noticeably starts flailing around and, like, fake fighting this cane at the end. And you're like, this is a little strange. Like, how do you tell somebody to act or choreograph this? Yeah, he really goes for it. He does. He did kind of, like, pull his shoulder back like there was a kick to it sometimes. 
So he like was kind of acting like it was a gun. I fully believe he knew it was a gun. They were just not like, hey, oh, no, just I... wave it back and forth. Just, did, yeah. I don't know, do whatever you think is logical. I think his movements were pretty okay. That scene actually had my one of my favorite lines where he's like, Condor Man doesn't carry a gun. They scare me. All I have is my trusty cane. And then he aims it. <laughs> yeah, that was also one of my favorite lines was a little bit later when he says he's the fastest cane in the West. Which also was another part of my favorite dialogue was also about the West was earlier uh, when he breathes fire right before that. He says, Condor Man, vulture of the Western world. And I thought, this guy really likes cowboys. He really Mm. likes the Mm. Wild West. His name is Woody. That's true, yeah. Well, this was long before. Maybe that's where they got the name Woody from. They repurposed it for Toy Story. Man, this guy wants to be a cowboy, not a bird. I still don't understand why he decided to use a condor as like a superhero, like well, inspiration. Well, did you hear what his other one was? Sponge Man. Now that's a movie I'd watch. Well, it's almost SpongeBob. Almost SpongeBob. <laughs> I mean, maybe they evolved it from that, but he was like, "I have to get Sponge Man and Condor Man comics out." Is Sponge Man Harry? Is that who he is? <sighs> I don't know. Man, maybe probably. Because his comics do seem based on his life, because he drew the lady, his laser lady. Natalia was like, I'm laser lady, and he's Condor Man. Who are you, Harry? And he, like, didn't say. He's Sponge Man. He's Sponge Man. Huh. That would explain some stuff. (laughs) Like what? I think it's just a saying. Oh. (laughs) I liked when Harry said, you're a great artist, but you're a lousy bird. I don't know, that line just made me chuckle. I was like, he is a lousy bird. He's not a bird at all. There were a lot of lines that were just delivered well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, they just put the the right tones at the right spots, and it just popped out well. Um, Yeah, I really enjoyed... We used to always quote um, the people, where are all the people, Mm. when they enter that one village. Yep. I don't know why, but we said that one a lot. Which goes with the other one that you said you guys always say... Two people. Yep. Yeah, that was my favorite one. The, the hotel guy is just trying to tell them you can only have <laughs> two people in the room, and they just... They're like, like yep, yeah. two people, two people. We got it. Yeah. And then he slams the door in the guy's face. And there's three people in there. Yep. Like, fuck you, man. Those beds were so tiny, they made me think of the beds from Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Oh, yeah. When Woody was laying on it, like, his feet were right up against the It was ridiculous. End. That's the size of the beds that I would sleep on when I stayed at my grandmother's house. They were, like, all that length. People were smaller back then, I think. I think everything was just sold smaller. Mm. The idea of big wasn't really a thought. It's true. One scene that I really liked was between Harry and Russ. When Russ is like, who's Condor Man? And he's like, oh, he's a comic book guy. And he's like, no, he's a real person. He's like, okay, that, that's cool, but you know, comics aren't real people. Like, Donald Duck's not really a duck. That made me chuckle, because I was like, oh, Donald Duck's also owned by Walt Disney. And, and there's a nice little correlation there. Yep. Um, I thought that was a pretty good scene. That scene was funny. Well, isn't Donald Duck a duck? Not yeah, a but real he's not duck. a real duck. Not a real, not a real duck. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I liked when they were in the snow, right after they got the helicopter flew away. Right after that actor shoved that actress. Yeah, <laughs> my God. Threatened to throw her out of the. So that that was one helicopter. scene where ha- where Woody and Harry go falling out of the sky. Then like high def, it's definitely two GI Joes that that they just like let go <laughs> through the air. You're like, oh yeah, those things are not moving at all. Yeah, they were very stiff. The one that was in Woody's outfit, the really interesting snowsuit with, like, bright red. Like, when he was falling, his arms were stiff, and he was, like, flipping. They were so, everything was so stiff and straight. It's so weird. Me and Anna have done some cliff jumping a little bit, and you fucking flail around. There is no controlling your limbs. Mm. You do not fall like that. No, you don't fall (laughs) like a doll. Maybe that's why they lived. They're nice, rigid... No, 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 that's the opposite. You're supposed to drink a bunch of alcohol so you're loose when you fall. Yes, I know, but, like, they they didn't have that luxury. They only had three foot of powder to perfectly fall into to make a nice snow angel. 
Yeah, the fact that Woody was like, okay, we can get up now. And Harry was like, no, I can never get up. I'm like, that seems more realistic. Mm. Like, yes. I don't think you would just be like, yep, we can go now. Yeah, because Woody is, the, they're not young people. No. Woody is not a young person. He should not be spry and like, all right, just fell off the Matterhorn. No. Shot off of it. Shot, yeah, got <laughs> blasted off the Matterhorn from my rocket-propelled cable thing but i think it's because woody's character is so like resilient and exuberant and he's just so like optimistic it can be done you know that's why he's like all right keep going that's true he almost drowned he's like i just have to do it better i can make it work yeah he's he's got this his friend is tired he so here's something that i struggle with right so he's like i'm not a spy He's a comic book writer. He goes through this first thing, and he fumbles his way through the first mission, beating people up. Mission two, mm-hmm. he actively kills people. Like, he kills the people in the Porsches. He kills a couple other people. Then he kills the people in the boat. And you're just like, he made the jump from a regular civilian to perfectly okay with killing? There's that scene when they're kind of meeting up in the... Um at the very end there in Monte Carlo at the big party and they're in the they're in the disguises mm. and it's actually Woody that talks up Harry and he's like come on like we gotta do this let's go like you remember your part right like he's leading the mission essentially yeah and Harry's just kind of like doing his best so it's even it's funnier how it's like a straight civilian like telling him yeah an actual CIA agent how to do their job telling him to commit a terrorist act, really. To be fair, though, Harry was always very insistent that he was just a file clerk. Like He always insisted that he was nothing more than a mm. file clerk. But wouldn't spies say that? True. <laughs> yeah, watching the way he... He doesn't run like a fl- file clerk. That dude had some hustle. Yes. yes. He when he putting, forgot to put the car in park, he flew he was, down He there. was rushing in khakis really fucking quick. Well, I really enjoyed when he was uh, fleeing after the explosion. And the as soon as he hops in the Royce, he uh, he goes, "Oh, Russ, if you could see me now!" He was like really stoked about himself and mm. his progress as a spy. You know, I was proud of him too. He was doing well. That's pretty dope. I'm I'm happy for. It. I liked during that scene when he was trying to get out the door, and all the bad guys henchmen came and they had the gun pointed at him and he's like right down the stairs yeah. and like they all ran past him he's like hey i was like that's a good spy move right there man like he kept his cool and uh and got he should have kept the beard though he looked way better with the beard i love that he kept the eyebrows instead yeah that's funny <laughs> they were funny i really liked um woody's gypsy costume i thought he looked really cool with the beard and the the old farmer outfit going on oh, that yeah. was cool and then the caravan on top of it really just cherry on top of that whole mm. costume design. Well, I think Riley had mentioned when we were watching it that, like, Woody was completely disguised in that outfit. And then Natalia had, like, a shawl on her head, and that was it. And that was her disguise. It's like, she's still clearly visible. Yes, yeah, yeah. and she was still, like, wearing the same dress that she was wearing or yeah. whatever. That she, she didn't even, like, change her hair. Yes. And the, she was clearly the most prettiest person in the entire movie, so, like... You think you'd throw a fake word on or something to not be like, oh. Anything. It is me, the beautiful one, compared to all the rest of you. I'm hiding out in the rocks. Yeah, Woody definitely had, like, some sort of prosthetics on almost every single time Mm. after that first. As soon as he got the budget for it. Yeah. (laughs) He he was off to the races. Um, Another genius spy move, though, uh, was Natalia during the wedding scene. Yes. When the yeah. guys yes. come in looking for him and she's just like calls out the groom for being her husband and starts the entire brawl where even the grandmothers fight each other. That um, was funny. The old amazing. ladies fighting was great. Yeah. That was a really good. The wedding gambit was really good. Yeah, that was a clever move. I love how the little altar boys just start like laughing at the whole thing and the priest is shocked and he drags them away as they're like laughing at yeah. everyone fighting. <laughs> yeah, that was a good scene. I liked the wedding scene. That was good. Yeah, the whole, like, run, like, escape in handcuffs, I thought that was very clever yeah. and well done. You could see that they were, like, holding hands. I imagine the first few times they were doing it, and they w- weren't holding, like, wrists or whatever. They were actually like, oh, God, this sucks. Right. <laughs> well, the first time when Harry was, like, handcuffing them all together, I was like, why would an inspector do that? Why would they handcuff three people in a line like that? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I didn't even, I didn't recognize him. That was a good costume. It was. I did not know that mm. was Harry at first and then they got in the smallest car that ever existed yes they did i 
thought that was a really good scene. I thought it would be funnier if they struggled more to get into the car being attached to each other. Mm. But they did struggle to kind of be in there and drive around and move. Yeah. Overall, I don't think anything in this movie aged, like, poorly. Besides some of the effects, obviously, you know, that could use some updating. But overall, like, the dialogue, the content, all of it, really aged pretty well for 42 years old. Like, mm. solid solid effort. Like, it wasn't racist at any point. Like, it wasn't too childish. It wasn't weird. You know, certainly not, like, uh, in Rocky and Bullwinkle when they got back and the dude's like, let's go check out my dick or whatever he said <laughs> at the end. And you're like, okay. Oh, yeah, that was weird. And that was from 2000, so, like... Yeah, this movie also didn't have... Um, a lot of movies in those late 70s, early 80s had, like, weird cuts where they filmed it one way and then decided they wanted the conversation to be different and you could feel it and it's weird. This movie only seemed to have it that one time when Natalia uh, was supposed to be mad and then wasn't in the next scene. I don't know, that was the only time I thought it was weird, but nothing felt weirdly patched together, which was nice. Yeah, it felt more like a natural, just a, like someone naturally just forgot to put, like, to yeah. connect those dots yep. more than anything. <laughs> or they didn't have enough time, I guess, maybe to circle back to the c-plot yeah i mean you can't take any time out of those car chases and explosions so like careful how big the plot yes the, the every moment gets. counts yeah <laughs> all right i think we're ready for one of my favorite portions of the show <laughs> who would do it better today i thought a really cool duo would be um john c Riley as harry and will ferrell as woody oh my yes. god yes oh my god yeah I think that would be hilarious. I did think Will Ferrell for Woody, but I didn't connect John C. Riley. That's a good one. So I I did think John C. Riley for um for Harry for a while. I ended up going a different direction, but I was like, dude, that would be that'd be pretty fucking funny. I think they would kill it. Yeah, they would. Who else do you have? Um I had as Natalia uh, Mila Kunis. Oh, oh, she would have been great. She could do that whole European she's Ukrainian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. I never even thought of her. And then I can't say that guy's name, but the guy that plays Aragorn. Um, Vigo Mortensen. Yes, him. I think he would be the metal eye guy. Oh. oh, Morovich. Interesting. But I don't have anyone for Sergi. Sergey. Sergey? Yeah, that guy. I got some good ones. Can I go next? Sure. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, for Condor Man, I have two. Back in the day at that time, I think Gene Wilder would have been good. Hmm. Today, I think Andy Samberg would have okay. killed it. Mm. He would have been so good. Oh, he would man. be funny. That's yeah, a good one. that is a good one. Um, for Harry, Jason Bateman. Dude. Yeah, he'd, he'd be a really good Harry. There was a while where I was torn between him and Will Arnett. Oh, Will Arnett mm. would have been good and too. I, I didn't go with them, but those are, I was. Yeah, Jason yeah, I think Bateman. Jason Bateman could have been good. He's mm-hmm. a good straight man. Um, for Natalia, I picked. Jaja Gabor, or today's actress, Jennifer Lawrence. Oh. I felt like she could, like, overact it really well, the way that other actress did. She's a really good actress. She I like is. her a lot. Um, for Sergey, I threw Danny DeVito in here. Okay. But also John Cena. Interesting. He does do a lot of acting roles now, doesn't he? And I think he'd be a fun villain. Yeah. Hmm. I guess he could He'd be been... more funny, I think, than serious. Yeah. But that's okay. He also could have been a good uh, Morovich. I'd like to see him in his first serious role. It'd be cool. As the villain. Um, also for Russ, the CIA boss, I had either Sean Wallace, who is um, Vincini from Princess Bride. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or David Kochner who is um, Champ Kind from Anchorman or Todd Packer from The Office. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and then Morovich, I put a younger Joe Pesci. Hmm. Nice. Um, I'll run through mine next. I, so I've scratched out who I thought of first for every single one, except for one person. For Woody, I originally had Pete Davidson because I thought that would be funny until I realized it should actually be Bill Hader because oh. he's fucking hilarious and he has some really good 
dramatic yeah. stuff yes. going for him. For Natalia, I for a long time had Marissa Tomei. Mm. But then yeah. I changed it to Florence Pugh. Oh, I almost put her too. Because I mix her up with Jennifer Lawrence for some reason. Hmm. Blondes. They look kind of similar to me. I don't know. Sergey, I had Vincent D'Onofrio for a long time because he's big and terrifying. But then... I almost wrote him down, too. I decided Ed Harris would be better. He's like... Oh, boy. He's the bad guy in um, A History of Violence. Oh, what else is he in? I don't know that movie. I see his face now, and yes, I agree. He'd be a good... He's always a villain. Did you watch Westworld, Tim? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's the bad guy in the first season of Westworld. The one that, like... The tall skinny guy? The one that goes in all the time to try to figure out the mystery. This dude. I don't know who it is either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. He would be which one? Sorry. Oh, kinda. Sergey. Oh, okay. He plays in the movie Radio. Apollo 13. Top Gun Maverick. The Rock. Enemy at the Gates. Oh, uh... Oh, he's the other sniper? Yes. Okay, yep, I know who that is. Yes. That's the movie I know of all the ones you listed. <laughs> That's so stupid. Um, so I had him for Sergey. For Russ, I originally had Seth Rogen, but I changed it to Craig Robinson. Oh, Thinking cool. about, you know, how he acted as the president in the <laughs> Office movie that Michael Scott made, Michael Scarn. Yes. Um, but the only one that I haven't changed my mind on was for Harry, uh, Judge Reinhold. Ooh. Because he he can deliver his lines really similar to the, the guy that Harry is. Who's Judge Reinhold? Uh, Judge Reinhold um, is. Oh, what's that 80s movie? He's, so, you know the movie The Santa Claus? Yes. Okay, so you know um, Tim Allen's ex-wife, her yes. new yeah, that husband. boyfriend? Yeah, the stepdad. That is oh. Russ. Yes. He's in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yes, he is. That's what it is. Yeah. He is funny. He yeah. is. He has some good... I, I felt like his delivery and humor would be perfect for... I think Gremlins, Harry. too, as well, right? Yes, he is. Mm. Mm. He's also in Arrested Development. Oh. As Judge As himself, Rumble. yeah. Oh, that's funny. I like it when they do that. That was So that's my cast. Nice, nice. All right, Tim. I'm excited to see your list. All right, for Condor Man, uh, I put Steve Carell. Oh, mm. yeah, definitely. I that he would do a, a really good job at it. Um, I went a little more toward the comical route and paired him with Jennifer Aniston as Natalia. Okay. Cool. She's great. For Harry, I put Sam Rockwell. I know the name. Um, Zapod Beeblebrox. In Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, or the main, the lead in um, Seven Psychopaths. Oh my god, I've only seen that movie once, and I don't really remember it. But I remember liking it. We should watch that again. Yeah, he's got like kind of a doofy face, right? Yeah, he plays uh, George Bush in a few th- in a movie. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got oh it. yeah, yeah. He's Guy in Galaxy Quest. Oh, yes. He's Guy in Galaxy Quest. Kind of. No, you you know him. He's in a lot of things. Can you tell us a couple more? Okay. Let's see. You've seen Galaxy Quest, haven't you, Rebecca? Once with you when we were kids. And it's... You don't remember? I remember Tim Allen is in it. That's correct. That's the only thing I remember. Okay. He wears a gray suit. Yes. (laughs) Space suit. Yes. Like Star Trek, kind of. Yeah, that's all I remember. He's been in so much. Um, oh, he's in the MCU. He's Hammer in the MCU. Oh, yeah, okay. I know that guy. Okay, so Sam Rockwell is Harry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For Russ, I put Danny DeVito. Nice. For Krokov, I put Ray Liotta. Mm. Who the hell's Krokov? The main villain. Krokov. I thought Sergei was the main villain. They call him like Sergei once in the very beginning, and then they just referred to him as Krogoff. Oh. The rest of the, the, I, I watched that happen, and I was like, never noticed that before. Oh, so I like, I just assumed Krokov was another guy that was above Sergei. That's what I thought the entire time. Oh, I never even caught the name go by at all. I thought I heard them say Sergei a bunch. 
Maybe we were just saying Sergey a bunch. Maybe I just didn't hear Sergey. But yeah, I think I don't know if he had two. I don't know. It was getting confusing for me. So that I I had Sergey written, and then I watched him say Krogoff, and I was like, oh nope, that was the guy they just talked to. Okay, and I switched mm. it back. So Ray Liotta is the main villain, and then the uh, Morovich with the metal eye. I put uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, oh. yes. Dude, that dude's a Him and Ray Liotta would be a cool pairing, yeah, too. Yeah, I think Ooh. they'd be great yeah. evil duo right there. Oh, that's a good idea. All right, so what's the guy with the one eye's name? I didn't write him down because I couldn't remember what his name was. Morovich, I believe, is what it was. Right on. I think that should be played by Mickey Rourke. That's who it would be oh. in my cast. So. Yeah, he's a good one, too. Yeah. He could rock a one-eye thing pretty good. A young Arnold Schwarzenegger, too? <laughs> Not my Arnie. What? Why? He'd have to be Condor Man if he was in that movie. <laughs> Natalia! <laughs> <laughs> he would pick up a boat to use it as a rocket launcher yes, to shoot another boat. Definitely. And he would manually take the gypsy caravan off of the other car, mm-hmm. like with his arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think of other things to say as, uh, as Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Get to the chopper! <laughs> oh, I meant in this movie. Oh, uh, well, that's appropriate, ha- too. <laughs> yeah, they have the chopper that they... That oh. they <laughs> a few times. <laughs> yeah, they get airlifted at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never so see what, that coming. Yeah, what's the purpose of the boat at all? Why couldn't the helicopter have just picked them up over on the dock? Then you wouldn't have seen the boat. That's true. They're like, we have so much more of this $14 million, guys. Buy some boats. Yeah, we got to kill everyone that's coming after us before we escape. We can't have them following us. We don't have the budget for a plane chase scene, mm. but we can do the boats. So we kill everyone in the boats, and then we can escape by plane. Otherwise, we take off in a plane, now we got to have all these fighter jets and shit. The Russians won't know it was us, even though we left the main guy alive. No one would let us pay for airspace, but water space and that one mountain. Also, why did the CIA let Condor Man use his comic books as inspiration for all these things so that the villain knew what they were going to do? Like, you would think they would be like, maybe we shouldn't do what your comic book lays out exactly. Yes. I was kind of assuming they didn't. He didn't tell them that. He didn't say, like, I'm going to use these for my thing. I think he was just like, these are the schematics and the plans for what I want. And they were like, okay. And then he's like, well, I guess I have inspiration for the next episode because this is where we're headed, so I'm just going to write about it. Yeah, but when he was showing him the schematics, there was pages before that that was like drawings of um, Laser Lady and stuff. There was like comic... She wasn't Laser Lady at the front. The name of the comic book was Harry Saves Natalia or some shit like that. Well, later she was Laser Lady. I forget her name a lot. Sorry. Yes. But, like, the ones he gives to them is, like, he drew a comic book of his escape to get away. Like, he was like, this is my plan and how we're going to do it. But he must have taken stuff from his old comic books because the guy was like, look at these. They, he, It's all through here. He wrote it in a bunch of different comic books. Plan B was the name of the last comic book. And that's how the mm. villains knew to have the boats, that he was going to have a boat. So these comics had already come out, and they were just copying the story from there, and their plans That's from very there. weird. Yes, it was not a good plan. I mean, it worked out, but... Yeah, the villains must have been really bad to have seen how everything's going to be laid out and still fail. Still yes. fall for well, it every time. They followed the script. They were yeah. like, well, we have to do this part. It's in the book. It proves the ingenuity of Condor Man. Mm. One thing that is confusing to me, though, is when Harry's like, they told us to go back to Paris... And Woody's like, I need two more days. Just give me two more days. And he's like, pretend you didn't see me. And then they find out that the guy took her to Monaco, which they presumably did not know before. And then they show up in Monaco with the Condor boat that must have been dropped off by some American embassy, Mm -hmm. even though they were told to not to, to go back home. And then they also get the helicopter and all this other stuff. So, like, who helped them out post being in uh, Bavaria? I also found it confusing because he was like, oh, say you didn't see me. Give me two days. But then Harry went with him. Mm. 
And I was like, why'd you have to tell him to say anything? He's with you anyway. Those are those pesky plot holes that you don't worry about when there's explosions that are coming in the yes. next scene. That's right. That's right. You're right. You're right. I'm supposed to have forgotten about it. By yeah, because don't I forget, see. they also used explosives on a house. Mm-hmm. They did. Yes, they blew up the Monaco house. Yes. But they didn't blow it up, because then they ran up the stairs, and they jumped out the balcony, and there was no even damage. superficial damage. That, that was true. Yeah. They just showed a bunch of explosions. Well, if you look closely at the explosions, they all went off on the sidewalk, mm. and they were all perfectly spaced. They were like um, solar lights, kind of, but bombs. Hmm. I guess it was just to scare everyone away so that no one got hurt, maybe? I guess so. The KGB is known for warning shots, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. When they knock on your door, it's polite. Excuse mm-hmm. me, can you let us in, please? <laughs> oh, well, I guess they were American bombs. Yeah, they were Harry's oh. bombs. Oh, yes, that's true. Yeah, okay, so it makes sense that they would put them not with all the people. Anyway. Does it make sense? I don't know. I'm trying. Trying real hard. Do we want to move into conclusions? Yeah, I'm ready. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Well, it's your movie. You should go last. Oh, okay. My conclusion is... Yeah, boo, boo, (laughs) you go last. (laughs) Hear the rest of our opinions first. (laughs) All right, all right. I'll go first, I guess. Um, Overall, I really enjoyed the spy aspect of this movie. Um, I think it was a driving force of the whole thing, and it was done really good. All the action scenes were very interesting. I also, um, Rebecca, you mentioned earlier that you like inept people that do really well, and Condor Man was that person who is like an inept person but he somehow still successfully pulls off everything um so my rating is seven out of ten machine gun canes Mm. nice good rating yeah i can go next um i found this movie tremendously fun i think if it was to be remade there's a whole slew of actors that could do really well and make this movie shine even more and with some updates on the the graphics or the cgi or you know whatever you want to call them like they could remake this movie and it'd be really top notch um as long as they didn't fuck it up i had a great time i enjoyed like all of it like a lot of movies from 1981 like rebecca said some parts dragged down a little long but i had fun with all the exploding boats all the exploding cars destroying of porsche 911s watching them drive them down hills off road was great um everything was just really fun about the movie so i am going to give it eight condor feathers out of ten dang i thought this movie was a lot of fun um it was really exciting and it was action-packed um and i didn't feel like like it was cheesy but it wasn't super over-the-top cheesy like a lot of 80s movies can be which was nice it was it was funny, and it was fun, and it was just not cheesy. It was just really genuine. Um, I did think there was some scenes that dragged on quite a long time. The second half seemed a lot longer than the first half of the movie. Um, I also deducted some points because Anna fell asleep. Just just a little bit. Just yeah. Just for a second. Just for a while, um, which you had referenced in your opening. So I was like, I gotta deduct points for this. I feel like the number I wrote down is a little harsh and I'm going to maybe take it back. Originally I wrote 6.7, but I'm going to give it a, a round about seven vultures of the Western world. Seven out of seven is great. Seven out of 10. Is oh, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> if you want to see what Inspector Gadget meets Fast and the Furious looks like, watch this movie. Five out of five exploded Porsches. Fuck them Porsches. Yeah, overall, I mean, for the basis of what this podcast is, I think it still holds up for everything that I love it for. So, yeah, I think it's strong. It still gets a strong rating for me. I will wait for that sequel, though, Disney, anytime you want to drop that. I agree. I would watch the sequel as well as the remake. I would also. I would definitely rewatch if they reinvented and uh, I think we gave them a lot of good suggestions for actors. I agree, yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't mess that up. And with all of the uh, visual effects we can have, I mean, a lot of your uh, choices, Rebecca, could be done digitally, you know? Yeah. Well, I didn't mind the explosions. It was like the very long periods in between the explosions. Oh, no, I meant some of your older actors that you chose. They could just be 
put Did right you in there. Put right oh yeah, in. yeah. Gene Wilder, he's yeah. alive again, alive and well. And if Danny DeVito didn't make his way into original cast, they could have him be one of the grandmas that fight at the wedding. <sighs> oh, oh yeah, that'd be such a great placement. Jack Black could be the other grandma. Ooh. <sighs> Oh, or Danny DeVito has to be the pastor that's like, what's going on? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's Jack Black and Kyle Gass that are the grandmas fighting. Oh, yeah. Mm. Tenacious D. Danny DeVito could have also been the groom. What? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> mm. and they Get out of here, lady. They could have had Jay and Silent Bob perched up on the side of the... Outside the church? No, inside, oh. watching it, just like... <laughs> Anytime it shows Smoking down, they're just like, looking from one side to the other as they're going back and forth. This got a little off the rails. Uh, anyways, what's the next movie we're watching? My next movie is going to be Matilda, which I'm really excited about. That's uh, kind of the movie that started it all for this podcast. Mm. Many years ago, we were talking about this with Tim, and he hadn't seen it. Riley hadn't seen it. We're going to change that. We are going to change that, and they're going to love it, because it's a great freaking movie. Can't wait. Thank you for listening to Paramnesia Theater. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and follow us on Instagram at paramnesia underscore theater. If you have any feedback you'd like to provide, send us an email at paramnesiatheater at gmail.com. And remember, support your local drive-in. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. Does Condor Man make a noise? Ah! To sign off? No. No? No, he doesn't. Well, never mind then.